Welcome to episode 39 of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. In this week's episode, Worley and Danina will be discussing the important role that friendship plays in our marriages. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast today. Here's Worley and Danina. Hey, Danina. We're back and glad to be doing another podcast. This is our February podcast, one of two that we're doing in February. And since it's being released near Valentine's Day, everyone knows that Valentine's is about love. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk about an aspect of love in marriage that is often overlooked, and that aspect is friendship. To get us going, we're going to start with some thoughts from Pastor Alistair Begg. I like to listen to, to him, and he was interviewed recently about his life and marriage with his wife, Susan. Yeah, it was a great story. And he, and he told the story of how he and Susan wrote letters to each other for seven years before they were married. Mm-hmm. And it started when they were young as teenagers, they had met. And the reason they wrote letters like that, he said, was because he lived in Scotland and she had been in Scotland, but had gone back to America where she is from. And he said the writing allowed them to really get to know each other. And he said that their relationship would have been different had they lived and been closer, Um, but that and he's saying it, it wasn't a prescription for marriage, but he emphasized how friendship shaped their relationship. Mm-hmm. And she was like thirteen when they met. When they first met, I think he was then, a couple, three years yeah, older. Yeah. So then, he said they probably wouldn't even been able to have a relationship in person to start with. Yeah. Yeah. But the letters, the communication, the words, and so forth that go in a letter, he said, really helped them. And eventually, they were married. And Alistair says that he got married to Susan because he couldn't imagine living his life without her, that he wanted her to be his friend for in life. And that um, he, and this is a quote, he says, I wanted to become her dearest friend in all of its dimensions. I didn't want to write letters to her anymore. I wanted to be married. And that marriage has continued to this day. That friendship has continued to this day, he said. Uh, I think they've been married close to 50 years. I'm not sure if it's a little more or a little bit Mm -hmm. less. But the interviewer asked him, what counsel do you give young men and women in their thinking rightly about marriage in in our day? And here's a quote. He says, one of the things I say is to never assume that a friendship has to be more than a friendship when it begins. It never has to be more than a friendship. Never assume that it has to be more than that. It's easy to get ahead of yourself very quickly in. Yeah. Yeah. And so I continue his quote. He says, especially in our sexualized environment, in many of the marital difficulties we deal with in pastoral ministry, I find myself saying, he says, I don't think they've ever been friends. I don't think it is that their friendship dissipated. I don't think they started as friends. When you add a physical relationship, on the front end that is the driver of things, then that may be all that you have, Mm. end quote. And so this is a podcast about cultivating friendship in marriage. 
We believe that it's never too late. Mm -hmm. If your marriage is in trouble, it's likely due to many different things. But if you and your spouse do some self-reflection and realize that the friendship piece is missing or maybe it hasn't ever really existed, then we challenge you to work on the friendship. And we're challenging ourselves in this area as well. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, we both really liked that story and just, I thought, well, what a treasure to have letters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to and actually, he says they still have them. Yes. I mean, for them and for their kids to be able to read back and forth. I was thinking after my mom died, how we just went through and we loved reading mm-hmm. all the things she wrote and that she wrote to dad and that cards he'd written back to her and, you know, just what a gift that is to them, but also to their um, next generations. Well, my sister Amy and I have written material and, and enjoy speaking um, together at on friendship at women's retreats or events, and that's because we know how important it is for women to have good friendships with other women. And I think there is something that friendships with women offer that is going to be different than what you offer me, and that's Absolutely. really important. Yes. Men need their wives to have friends. Yes, yes, <laughs> we do. Um, but today I'm looking forward to talking um, today about, you know, what what friendship really specifically means for marriage. And I, I was thinking about, well, what does it mean to me in our marriage? And it it's really just that we're in it together. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever it is, I... Um, you know, have a lot of enjoyment in knowing that we're in it together. Um, whether we're working on a project, we're parenting our kids, we're, you know, going on a date. Um, you know, you and I work together, so we're in it together a lot. <laughs> but C.S. Lewis um, has a quote I like. He says, friends are not primarily absorbed in each other. You know, sometimes you think that about romance or that part of a marriage. He says, it's when we are doing things together that friendship springs up. Painting, sailing ships, praying, philosophizing, fighting shoulder to shoulder. Friends look in the same direction. So, you know, C.S. Lewis is making an important point here where he says, friendship occurs when time is spent together doing the same things um, while looking in the same direction. And I was thinking, time alone doesn't make us friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I work together, and we're together all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. But that— If that's all that it went on, we still might not be very good friends. Yeah, we can work with people and kind of be acquaintances, but and you know, keep up with life. But that time itself isn't just the answer. Um, but it's a critical part because no one makes good friends or has good friends without spending time together. And no one maintains friendship without having some kind of common interests and affections while looking in the same direction. Um, You know, being like-minded about things makes a big difference in in friendship. Um, So while we all struggle, or while, you know, you and I sometimes struggle in different areas of friendships, I think, you know, this has been a strength or a foundation of our friendship, just for you and I, I think, I mean, we met and we continue where we are um, looking in the same direction. And spiritually, we're we're looking toward always what matters for eternity. Yeah, I think looking in the same direction towards what matters for eternity has been the strength and foundation of our friendship in our marriage as we've reflected mm-hmm. on this. It's not the same for every couple. Not every couple is like us. But I do think for us, looking in the same direction toward what matters for eternity 
it's really been foundational. And I want to share a little of our own marriage journey to explain how that's happened. And again, this isn't going to be the way it is for everybody, but the looking in the same direction. And then I think even in a sense of that this is God bringing us together for this. And mm-hmm. I think couples can think about this. Why did God bring you all together? And for us, um, it, uh, it it really began. We met at the Master's College. It now is the Master's University in Southern California. And both of us were drawn to college because we desired for Christ to be central to our lives. Um, I had had a conversion experience and went to Master's and and really that was focused on me and and you came out of just your family and so forth that we wanted Christ to be central to our lives we wanted to grow in our faith and to live by faith and we also wanted you know just how we lived our lives to matter not just for now but also for eternity mm-hmm. And one of the first places that we hung out before dating was at a college Bible study. It's called the Santa Clarita Bible Study. It met on a Friday night. And on occasion, we would be really stretched, and we would go into Hollywood and evangelize. Mm-hmm. Remember those experiences? Mm-hmm. I mean, those were very anxiety-producing experiences. And it was—you and I didn't just fully even know each other, but we were at the same study— we were being challenged in the same ways, and we begin to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, time went on, school went on, several years. We were married, and then once we were married, we moved to Colorado and were part of a Sunday school class of peers, people who were kind of at the same place that we were in life. And at some point over time, we became leaders in that group. And I look back on this and think how all of that was just very natural for us mm-hmm. to do it together and really to enjoy it together. I was working in a bank at the time, and you were working for a commercial real estate developer. So it wasn't like we were in—I mean, we weren't in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we had a lot of joy in being in that class and being involved with those people and leading that class together. And it wasn't— that we planned this for our lives. We didn't set out from the beginning and say, this is what our life's going to be about. But it's been our story, connecting on spiritual things, connecting around the work in the local church, connecting on investing in people. And then along the way, we became professional counselors. That's a story in of itself. We did talks on marriage and parenting. We're still doing that. Um, there came a need for a pastor, and we stepped into that role as a pastor and his wife for Uh, an important 13 years. Um, And that really was just an increase of what we'd already been doing. But I'm saying all this to say, this has been our story. And God has been kind to us to allow us to to do ministry together. But I'd say the satisfaction and most enduring part in all of this is the friendship Mm -hmm. that we've shared. It's not the ministry, it's the friendship. And that we're partners and share the enjoyment of caring for people and in, in the, their spiritual and relational lives. Mm-hmm. So um, going in the same direction for us together, shared experience in what's important to us, and, and, and really for us it's what matters for eternity. But it's not the only way we connect as friends, thank goodness, um, because there are many <laughs> ups and downs and mm-hmm. challenges, and sometimes they're painful parts of ministry and people work. 
Um, some of the things that we connect on as friends is that we've enjoyed every part of parenting together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this thinking about parents. Do, do you, are you friends in your parenting? Sometimes that takes a lot of work. It does. And part of, again, it takes time. Sometimes it's easier to single parent mm-hmm. than to take the time to, you know, not only engage with your kids, but engage with each other and make sure you're on the same page and have a plan for how you're going to parent. Um, and then you have to work through conflict. Yeah, because you don't always agree right. um, in that. But I do think, um, I mean, that's been the benefit to our children that we took time um, yeah, together, to parent together. With each other, mm-hmm. as friends together. We're in mm-hmm. this together. Mm-hmm. We would serve on booster clubs and other school-related things when our kids were young. Um, we also have, ex- you know, been friends because we enjoy our extended families. We've both got brothers and sisters, and we've grown up with them, not all living in the same city. But we've certainly connected on the shared friendships within our families. Mm-hmm. Um, We've enjoyed traveling places and having new experiences together. We've enjoyed hiking, biking, being out on four-wheelers. We can enjoy doing uh, projects together around our house. Mm -hmm. We both enjoy reading. We discuss what we read. We enjoy watching sports together, movies. On an occasion, you'll enjoy me and We'll work a puzzle together. Mm-hmm. I think that's been something <laughs> I really like to do, and you join me in that. That's, I, I try and be your friend when I work on those <laughs> you puzzles. You don't think you would do that on your own? Because there's a recent puzzle we've been working on that you've been a little obsessed with. I got into it, yeah. Yeah. But feeling, no, I would never. You've introduced me to puzzle life. And I'm feeling a little loneliness <laughs> at times because of the time you're spending on that puzzle. <laughs> Just because it's at your mom's house and not ours. It's a good thing that's rubbed (laughs) off. You know, also, as our kids have gotten older and now they're out of the home, we both enjoy the friendship that we have with our kids. Mm -hmm. So our commonness that we are going in the same direction in all these different areas is is part of our friendship. And you have some points that, and, and actually we both do, that we want to share that we think are important to think about in having an ongoing friendship. Mm-hmm. And the, um, you know, and, and, and these really come out of what the Bible would even say about friendship. And I want to start with Proverbs 18, 24, where it says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. So um, to build a friendship in marriage, I mean, first and foremost, I would say, I mean, be an open and transparent friend. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like, um, Alan McGinnis has a quote where he says, uh, Amy and I use this in our friendship talk, and I just really love it. It says, people with deep and lasting friendships may be introverts, extroverts, young, old, dull, intelligent, homely, good-looking, but the one characteristic they all have in common is openness. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, because you and I are not the same. You're an extrovert. I'm an introvert, which is where we draw our energy. We're both plenty talkative. That's not talking about, but just, you know, what helps us. But that it it really is an openness with who we are Mm -hmm. with each other. Um, 
and I'm intelligent and you're Yeah, I, I was dull. waiting on this. No. <laughs> uh, uh, you are intelligent no. and I am definitely dull. You are the smarter one of the two of us for sure. But I am definitely the dull one of the two. <laughs> no. And I'm a little homely. No. And you're good looking. <laughs> All right, we digress. But anyway, uh, the differences between us doesn't have to be what comes between us as friends. It's you know, being friendly, it's it's living out of who we are as people in a friendly manner toward each other. And it made me think about how we don't want to settle for a social media friendship and marriage where we are seen, but we're not really known. Uh, and I, I think about that, you know, we didn't hit the add friend or accept friend button when we got married and then just say, that's enough to sustain our marriage. Um Honesty and openness are critical to friendship in marriage, and uh, I, I think this is a strength for us. Um, number one, because you're friendly back, <laughs> and I thank you for that. Um, but we we do share our you know our daily thoughts. I mean, what just the activities, what's gone on in our day. Um, you know, I think we've grown in trusting each other and sharing what we feel and, you know, maybe what we're thinking. And even for you as an introvert who can be okay keeping that all inside, you know, working to, um, you know, share some of, you know, what you are thinking about with me. And because of this, you know, we, we're known by each other rather than just going through the motions, living in the same house and being seen by each other, um, but not really known. So the first one is be open and be an open and transparent friend with your spouse. Proverbs eighteen twenty four: A man who has friends must himself be friendly. And one thing I want to add is if you're not naturally a talker or transparent, mm-hmm. it it requires being intentional, and it requires if you're in a marriage where. As a spouse, you are the one who is talkative and transparent. You have to be patient and gracious, but expect that the other one needs to be this. I remember early in our marriage, and I felt like you were gracious with this, but, you know, I'd come home after a long day of dealing with just challenges and stuff. Last thing I want to do was talk about my day. Mm -hmm. But being very, you know, learning and hearing that I need to be very purposeful and share details of what it is that's going on. And not just that, but what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And that actually felt good to me as I begin to do it. But getting over the hurdle of doing it hmm. sometimes was a, you know, it, it, it took work. And it's okay, but it does sometimes take work. And I'll give assignments. I do this with teenagers a lot, but also sometimes in marriage, if you're that person, I mean, on your way home, Think of two things, mm. just two things from your day you're going to share, mm. because often that's enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't always take something big and long. It's just people just need some connection and some information to feel like they, you know, are part of your day. I mean, kind of know a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, that's good. Well, another point that we have here is... Uh, from a couple of passages in Proverbs, but the point is this, be a loyal and faithful friend. So Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Part of friendship is being together in adversity. And that word adversity is what it 
you know, what, what it, you think it means. It's distress, it's affliction, it's anguish, it's emotional pain. Friends are involved with each other in that way. So that's part of what we do. That's part of why we stay engaged with our spouse in their what adversity. Sometimes we're the cause of the adversity, but we hang in there with each other. So, And that's important that you're saying all times because sometimes friendship is transactional, meaning I'm going to be your friend if I get from you what I need as, you know, as a friend. And so um, it, you know, we don't stick with each other. Marriage is, you know, it's easy. Well, I'm just going to check out or I'm going to, you know, stonewall or I'm going to turn toward addiction or, you know, worst case scenario, turn toward somebody else um, instead of actually be a loyal and faithful friend when life is hard or marriage is hard or yeah, sticking suffering. And, and that that sticking with, you know, to go to the next verse, Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that word sticks is actually the word cleave or cling, to keep close. It's the same root word that's used in Genesis for when a man and woman leave their parents and cleave to one another. This is the idea of actually gluing. It's a real intimate term, but it's the sting with um, that carries the idea of loyalty and and also affection. But I think when things are difficult, like if you're having a difficult time and I'm the reason, that can keep me distant from you. Mm-hmm. And not, but to realize, you know what, I'm your friend here. Whether I caused it or whether it's from some other thing, I need to, you know, really be a friend and 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 hang in here with you. That's very helpful to me to realize there's more to this than, you know, me just, you know, being your husband. I mean, it, it, that is part of being your husband. have been an open and transparent friend, be a loyal and faithful friend. And then um, next here we have be a sacrificial friend. And John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. And selfishness is the death of any friendship. Um, a good environment for friendship requires mutual balanced giving and receiving. And it requires both people sacrifice and, you know, die to their own desires or their own preferences and wants. And, you know, if you're in a relationship where you're doing all the giving, it's not healthy. Or if um, you're, you know, the friend who's doing all the receiving, it's not going to be a healthy environment for friendship to keep growing. So in marriage, I think it's important that, uh, you know, to recognize that there'll be seasons when one spouse is carrying the weight of the friendship more than others due to health or, you know, life's demands professionally or, you know, um, even like maybe where somebody is in their not just physical health, but their mental, emotional health. But it shouldn't be characterized by this where one is doing more of the, 
you know, constant giving and the other doing all the receiving. It, it's it's got to become balanced, and that will only happen with sacrifice, laying our lives down for our friend. Very good. The next one uh, is that to be a sanctifying friend. So what do we mean by this? Um, sanctifying is just a process that Christ is working in our lives to make us more like him. But Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, and then profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So you are going to wound your friend if you're being the kind of friend you need to be. Mm -hmm. And so Tim Keller says, faithful are the wounds of a friend means that real friends tell each other things they need to hear, even if they are painful. If you're afraid to say what needs to be said, you are really an enemy of your friend's soul. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Mm -hmm. um, Ephesians 4 tells us how to do this. Speak the truth in love, not in anger, not in judgment, not in trying to control and fix and change the other person, but do so in love. And... Uh, Love always has the best interest of the other in mind. So I think here of that there's there's a tenderness towards or an affection towards, a kindness towards that really wants to help. But with all that said, I would hate somebody to leave this and say, well, I'm not going to tell them this unless I can tell them this and do it in the perfect way. If we wait to tell the other the truth, we might never do it. If we wait to be that kind of friend, we might never do it. We we need to work this out and grow in this. Mm -hmm. But woundedness towards the other person, telling them the truth is is essential. It's necessary. Well, and think about in marriage counseling how often, you know, over the years we may um, you know visit with couples where one felt like they were protecting their spouse. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean that they felt like it was the loving thing to do to kind of bear whatever it might be, you know, how they're feeling or, you know, things they've done or whatever. And it, in fact, it it's a way bigger setback to work through because, you know, there and then there's the trust issue that has just intensified. So Yeah, why didn't why didn't you tell me this or why are you afraid to tell me this? Or well I'm, you know, that goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Um but the wounding part is for the other person is part of what God is using. Mm -hmm. And there's no relationship. We've talked about this before that, I mean, I haven't been wounded by anybody else more than I've been wounded by you. Mm -hmm. And I know that's true the other way. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, whatever, 30 plus years. How long we've we been married? 30. It's a bunch. <laughs> Beyond 30. Help me out. <laughs> You're not even helping me because nope, you I'm, don't know. I'm going to wait and you see. You don't know. We're going to be married yeah. 33 years, honey. Yeah, in, you had time to think May. about it. <laughs> so it's it's become a part of it for us. I mean, it's just a part of it. So Well, and the sanctifying work also goes the other way, which is our next point where we need to be a humble friend. So mm -hmm. we want to be a sanctifying friend where we're going to tell the truth, but um, we have to be a humble friend in receiving that. And it's even sanctifying, you know, if you're not telling me because of something in me, mm -hmm. you know, and I hear, well, it's because you handle it this way mm -hmm. or that way or, you know, vice versa. So being a humble friend in Proverbs 9, 8 says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. 
Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Um, Proverbs 18, 2 and 13 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So we have to be a humble friend with a teachable, you know, spirit there that's, you know, not proud. Um, so proud that we can't hear what um, the other person is saying or, and you know, that pride goes both ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can be so arrogant mm-hmm. that I've done everything right and how dare you think I haven't? Or mm. I can go the other way and beat up myself mm. and turn on myself, and both are pride. Mm-hmm. And um, it, you know, it gets in the way of our, you know, our friendship. And I just love thinking that as believers, we of all people <clears throat> can be humble. We can hear the truth because it's the whole point of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, God sent His Son, and Jesus gave His life so that, you know, I I can see the truth Mm -hmm. about myself um, because Jesus already paid the price for my sin. It's not about me Mm -hmm. getting it right. Mm -hmm. You know, what helps me with this is just sometimes thinking, you know, we're in this together. We're we're going, to use your phrase from the beginning, we're going in the same direction. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not she's not my enemy. We're we're not in competition. We're in this together. And so humility is required when you work with someone else and mm-hmm. other people. So well, the last one that we have here is that friendship should drive romance instead of romance driving friendship. I think this is good as we're here around Valentine's. Um <clears throat> I was reading in Song of Solomon. Oh, you were, were you? Yes, I spent quite a bit of time there. <laughs> Um, but in Song of Solomon five sixteen, the the wife is saying she says her she says this. It's a quote. His mouth is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. Now I, I say that to you all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like stopped. I said she said what? His mouth is most sweet, and he's altogether <clears throat> desirable. But then she says, "This is my beloved." And this is my friend. Mm-hmm. I do say that. That is just so good that those two things are together. Mm-hmm. That their romantic part of their life is really in, <clears throat> based in a friendship. And she felt that. She experienced that. Which I think a woman would. Because men, you know, we would tend to compartmentalize this part of our life to the expense of our friendship instead of that it really goes together. It's very, very important to to think in this category. And I think especially for men, um, Tim Keller says that marriage is not romance garnished with friendship. It's not in essence romance and attraction. And friendship is thrown in as a wonderful little option, a wonderful little plus if you can get it. Rather, marriage is friendship with Romance garnishing and flavoring it. Mm-hmm. It's central. <clears throat> so thought that was very good. Mm-hmm. So um, we have be open, be an open and transparent friend, be a loyal and faithful friend, be a sacrificial friend, be a sanctifying friend, be a humble friend, and then let your friendship drive your romance instead of the romance drive your friendship. 
Yeah, and so we also had some ideas from a writer, Allison uh, Weasley, who shared quotes from different people that she had interviewed about building a deeper friendship with their spouse. And so in addition to what we've shared, we just thought some of these were really good, so we want to share them. Yeah, it's good to just, you know, hear from everyday people out there what they would say about this. And um, so we're using some of her interview, but... Um, She said, recognize that friendship building takes a lot of work and time. Cut the fat out of your day. And um, a woman named Amy said, we've made some significant concessions for the sake of our friendship. Phil lives close to his work so that he can come home for lunch as often as possible. And not only making a choice to live, have their house be close to his work because it helped their marriage because they have lunch together every day to connect, but the short commute has also improved his mood and his energy for when he is at home. Mm. And then, you know, I think that goes along with, um, I mean, we all have to fight for establishing a time each week to spend quality time together. And then we really have to guard our time, you know, with our lives. I mean, so many things will take that away. And so, you know, aiming Phil were creative with making it happen at lunch every day. Um, you know, it's figuring out what will work for you and your spouse for a weekly date night or a time daily to connect about your day and life. And, you know, we're talking about friendship, but, you know, even with the sexual relationship side of marriage, um, you know, as we talk about that often, sometimes with couples and counseling, you have to be creative and figure out sometimes that has to be more scheduled than you'd mm-hmm. like it to be too. Mm-hmm. But you're you're fighting for, you know, the friendship and the romance side here by um, planning and then protecting that time. Yeah, so the first couple of things in deepening is just that it takes a lot of work and, and the planning of being intentional with the time together. Another one that might help would be to explore the interest of your spouse, whether it's baseball or music or art or gardening or hunting, find out what they're passionate about and then join them. The longer you've been married, the more and more you know this. Mm-hmm. And say early for you know those who are first married, this is just really good advice. And it can take a bit of sacrifice. Bill said that, he intentionally studies the things that are having an influence on his wife. And he, I'm quoting him here. He says, if she takes up a new area of interest or is reading a new book, then I need to do that as well. I thought mm-hmm. that was good. Mm-hmm. And this is why I do puzzles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but actually, yeah. I mean, I have learned but that it's it true. is— But it's true. You have done that it for has, me. I have, so that I'm spending time with you doing something you like and— you know, I've recognized that I enjoy it. You know, I usually want to have a movie on or something at the same time that <laughs> I'm doing it, but it's actually good for me to just be still and, and, and do you know, something like that. I have enjoyed working in the yard more. Really? <laughs> more be- yeah. because that's something you enjoy. Mm-hmm. It didn't start that way because I grew up working in the yard all the time. But in time is because it is really something you enjoy. But I can be out there and knowing that as I'm doing it, this is something Danina enjoys. She's in another part of the yard or she's working on something different and it's helping her. I think that's been true. Well, and you become much more of an outdoorsman overall for me in just the sense that I just like yeah. to be outside. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Um, the next one, um, uh, 
that Allison says is use conflict to sharpen and purify your friendship. And um, a person named Andy said, I thought I was particularly fortunate because my husband and I rarely argued. We agreed on almost everything. The process of recovering from adultery revealed unhealthy communication on both our parts. Now we have more disagreements, but they can't, they come about because we're being honest with one another, which is helping us to get to know each other more all the time. So this is very, you know, true and important part is, I mean, if you don't have conflict, you don't have intimacy, and it opens the door for um, temptation and unfaithfulness. So that's really good. Very good. Another one uh, is to nourish and care for one another, to be gentle with one another. Glenn shares that when we lost our first child, we more than comforted one another. We held each other. We lifted one another up. And we knew at a deep level that our best friend in the world was going through the same thing. Hmm. Uh, and then another one from from that Allison mentions is accountability and mutual respect and includes in the areas of sex or finances or relationships, but the accountability and mutual respect should be our priorities. George, who she interviewed, said that my wife knows everything about my brokenness. I've gone to her first in difficult situations. There's a small circle of people who know me and know my depravity. My wife is in that circle. Having that transparency has given me strength, clarity, and tremendous freedom. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing is to establish daily habits, especially praying together. And Justine said, praying together every morning not only sets the tone for our day and releases the burdens on our hearts, but it puts us on the same page in so many areas. God meets us in the midst of our friendship every morning. And, you know, we've shared before on different podcasts, we've really grown in doing this. And even when we're in conflict and can't agree, just stopping and learning to, you know, pray together and be honest before God, it it helps get us on the same page. Yeah, it's been essential for us. Yes. Another one is to be transparent with one another. And we talked about transparency in one of our points, but I like what Bill says. He said, one activity I suggested to married couples is at some point during the day, identify an emotional reality to your spouse. Label that feeling in a self-disclosing way, such as I'm fearful or I'm angry or I'm resentful. He says, we often limit our conversation to reporting of events rather than communicating how we really feel. I like that. Perfectly said. That's very personal to be able to share how I feel about what's going on, my thoughts and feelings, rather than just reporting on kind of the facts. And that will grow, you know, deep friendships have this aspect. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm saying you're not just seen, you're you're actually really known. Mm. Um, and trust gets built mm. there. Um, the last one, you know, is last but not least, it's um, critical for any friendship, but it's communication. And um, she says, most experts agree that regular communication builds a friendship that weathers the storms of life. For us, communication in part is negotiating the rules that will make our relationship work better and flow more smoothly. So um Communication is important. And, you know, that communication is so much work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just takes, because there's so many things that interfere with it 
Am I a good listener? Am I saying the words that the other person understands? Are we, are we distracted by kids? You know, uh, on and on and on. But so it takes work, but it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty obvious. It's very, very important. And last January, I mean, we did a podcast that was mm-hmm. really on communication yeah. and listening and things that get in the way. So if you haven't heard that, you might check that out. Um, but as we close, I mean, we we do want to, you know, not end here without mentioning that, you know, all friendships change over different seasons. And, um, you know, because life is changing and, and, you know, we go through life experiences that change us. And, um, and so while that's true in all friendships, uh, it's also true in friendship and marriage. And, I mean, you and I have had a lot of life changes in the last few years, which has meant our friendship has evolved and changed, and it's also been exposed for our strengths and weaknesses. And I think this happens in every marriage um, when, uh, you know, couples become empty nesters like Mm -hmm. we have in the last few Mm -hmm. years. You're, you know, you're all of a sudden kind of, you know, reevaluating where you're at, and all of a sudden you have more time. Mm -hmm. Um, to focus on your friendship. And that can be, you know, a really good, enjoyable thing as well. Um, But it also can expose where maybe you haven't worked on friendship throughout um, your entire marriage. And all of a sudden, you're trying to figure that out. And one thing I'd say when it exposes that, that's in the course of some conflict or some pain. I mean, that's how it's coming out. That's what's happened in us. And I think is a couple then say to each other, well, what's happening? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's, what, you know, we're going through a change. How is it changing? What are we learning? What do we need to adjust or think differently about? Have those conversations. And we've had plenty of those conversations. Mm-hmm. So we want to encourage you to fight for your friendship in your marriage um, as you focus on Valentine's this year. And, you know, fight for your friendship in marriage during um in each season of life and and the seasons of change and stay committed through growing pains. It's easy to check out. It's easy to, you know, turn toward addictive behavior. Just, I mean, you know, even turn toward healthy things, just getting really busy and doing um, good things. To be so numb, that you d- to go through the oceans. And just so you don't have to feel the pain or the gap that's there Watch in the friendship. TV, you know, there's all kinds of things we check out on. Yeah, even just, you know, work can, um, you know, be a good reason. Um, So anyway, stay committed through the growing pains because good things are on the other side. Robert Browning says, grow old along with me. The best is yet to be. I like that. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. We'll do it. All right. See you all next time. Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina or want to reach out and contact us, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify and share this episode on social media. Have a great week. God bless.